Kara, Dad's about to reveal the plan. I'll pack up the car, pick you up right after school, and then we'll drive straight through. Sounds good. Does not. What now? Isn't the whole point that we, like, go to school? And now you're forcing us to miss school when we should be, like, in school. Right? I mean, what about my studies? Okay, why are you smiling? I just never thought I'd hear you say, what about my studies? It makes me, like, smile. I don't want to go. We do this every year. Only time we can get the whole family together. Dad helped your mom and grandpa close up the house. Go. You're destroying my education. You go, Jake, now. Yes? Very good column, sir. That last bit about curfew is very apt. And may I also say that yesterday's column on boundary setting was excellent. Who are you? I'm Marty Barrasco. Anyway, I would like to especially thank you for last Friday's column. It really helped me understand my parents. <laughs> okay. Well, Marty, what else can I do for you? I'd like to see your daughter, sir, if I could. Uh, Jane! Jane! Actually, I'm here for Kara. Nice to meet you, Marty. Come back in two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what's really funny is both Travis and Justin searched online to see if they could find my mugshot because they wanted to put that on there. Praise God, it's not online. It's not like I'm Nick Nolte, though. Do you see? I wasn't on drugs or anything when I went. That's pretty much this. But, uh, but we did notice that another little benefit is I have 17 different lawyers who have contacted me. Um, you know, everything from award-winning lawyers, one eight hundred dismiss. Um, I like that one. Uh, so <laughs> Hannah, Hannah's going through the mail yesterday. And she goes, Dad, what? And she went, Oh, you went to jail. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I am that guy. Uh, oh, man. And we were with a church from Mississippi. They laugh. They all love guns, and they all have concealed handgun licenses, and, and I don't um, anymore. Now, in this movie, um, Dan has lost his wife to illness. You don't know that unless you've watched the movie. We don't know a whole lot about it, but we know that he's lost without her, and he has these three daughters. We see him doing his best as a single dad to raise three, a couple of them are teenagers, and the other one is is younger. You saw her there. Uh, So we see him come up with a plan. Now, I don't know how many of you that are parents. I'm I'm 50. It'll be 51 next month. Um, how many of you as parents have a plan for your kids? Let me see your hands. Anybody, anybody have a plan for your kids? What happens when your plan isn't the same as their plan? What happens? You have conflict, right? Okay. And, and so what I want you to do is I want you to watch this next clip. In this next clip, you're going to see him trying to get his daughters. They're going on a family. What? Oh, computer lock up. Did you press F1? Did you have to restart the whole computer or just, just ProPresenter? Sometimes ProPresenter, it, it's been freaking out. So it would freak out on a, on a movie day. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Now, I want to ask you, how many of you think that if you were a single dad with three daughters, there would be conflict in your home? Yeah, okay. Um, you could be a single mom and have three daughters in your home and have conflict, right? Uh, uh, not that I'm making any comment on women. Um, I'm just saying that, that it's different. My mom had three sons and a daughter. She once told my sister she would rather have three more sons than another daughter. 
that wasn't that wasn't the best thing. Uh, okay, I'm just ad living to you. Okay, all right. So there's going to be conflict in this clip, and by the way, there could be just as much conflict on the way to church on a Sunday morning. Y'all never done that, have you? Fun like crazy and get out. Hello. No, none of you have done that. So enjoy this, and and we'll talk about a couple of things. Sorry to interrupt your studies with your friend. Well, we can't all be monks like you. No. By the way, you're grounded. Oh, I'm grounded? Yep. Mm-hmm. For how long? For life. Dad, come on. It's humiliating. Tell me about it. Okay, you're grounded for a month. A month? But that, that's worse than forever. Okay, Dad, why? You lied to me. Yeah, well, you can't handle the truth. Maybe you should try me next time. But, 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 no, but, no, no, no. Okay, Dad, I... I love Marty. Oh, please. Okay. Dad, 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 stop! Okay, just listen, listen, I didn't know right away. It took me a while. What's a while? Um, well, I, I, I've known him for three weeks, but I knew in three days. Three days? You can't know in three days. Well, maybe she can. No, no, no. What you're feeling is not love. It is young. It is. I love him, reckless and not thought out. It's love, but it is not. I love him. I love him. No, it's not. No, it's not. One of your sisters told you to say that. I made it up myself. I'm in fourth grade. I can make things up for myself. Jane or Kara? I made it up myself. I can think of things myself. Jane or Kara? I'm in the fourth She's grade. in the fourth grade. We quote that all the time. She's in the fourth grade, meaning you can make things up for yourself. Now, I thought it was interesting in the first clip, Marty talks about, you know, he read, um, Dan in the movie is a columnist. He's a relationship columnist. And he said, uh, he said that, that, article about boundaries really spoke to me. He breaks boundaries all the time. I'd want to smack him. But anyway, what does it mean 
What does it mean to be a good father but a bad dad? I think it, you've heard me say this, but I wanted to come back to this again, and, and you'll understand maybe a little bit in a minute. It's the first thing on your listening guide. There are rules without relationship equals rebellion. Now, I don't care if this is in the youth group, this is in children's ministry, if this is in Haiti. When somebody rebels, it means that there's relationship problems in their life. And, and if you can connect with that child or, uh, you know, someone else's child when you're trying to minister to them, you can, you can get them to do things for you based on your relationship. They rebel when there's not a strong relationship. Now, if you attempt to set up boundaries, you're going to have conflict with your child because your child is not going to agree with your boundaries. And, and there have been many times that we've had to say to our kids through the years, we're not your friend. Janie struggles more with this than me, but I'm like, there's a boundary. Cross it, you know. Um, but, but you're going to have conflict, and nobody wants more conflict, so we have to, we have to be reasonable with our boundaries. And, and maybe sometimes you need to talk to other parents and get some insight and get a third uh, part, a party who's not um, emotionally involved in your situation to give you a little bit of advice or to, to give you their critique on maybe some of those boundaries. Because what do you have when you fight with your teenager or your child over boundaries? What do you get? Fatigue. Um, Mike learned this word in, in, uh, in Haiti. Fatigue is how you say it in Creole. Because you're throwing kids up in the air and, dude, I'm, I'm having kids on my back and you're running. I'm too old for that trash. And after, you know, once around the church, I'm breathing hard and sweating and I'm like, fatigue. And they're like, oh, fatigue. And they go find somebody else, you know. And then Mike, he does it for about, he's like the Energizer Bunny, by the way. He's bouncing all over the place. And, and they go get him. But even I heard Mike going, fatigue, sweating, you know. Because they, and what, what Pastor Valco, the pastor of the church that you saw in the video, what he told us was, most of these kids are multiple children in the home. Anywhere from four, he told us about one family that has eight children. Mom and dad are gone all day. Um, the two girls, I don't know if you saw it. I'm in the green shirt and I'm holding two girls. They were kind of my girls during the week. Um, the, the older one's maybe five. And, and she was in charge of her less than two-year-old sister. In charge. And uh, so what, what Pastor Valco said is these kids never get any attention. So when we come and you just smile at a kid, they, they just latch on to you. And, and I'm just going to tell you, we can never have too many people in Haiti. Because the children, Pastor Valco said, they don't get attention from their parents because their parents are doing everything they can to live, to survive. And so anyway, um, what, what I want to, to do today is maybe give us some ideas how to be better people. If we become better people, we'll become better parents. And so just three quick little steps that come from the scripture about how you can be a better person. If you're a better person, that will reflect to your children and and you can um, be a better parent. So the first thing is, whether you're a parent or not, you can set your priorities. And the scripture that I use from this, then I'm going to use a lot of um, message translation or living Bible translation today because it's so easy to understand. Here's the first one. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Have any of you noticed that the world around us is not getting better? People aren't getting kinder. They're not getting more generous. They're not getting more loving, right? Anybody notice that? It's going the opposite direction. What we are preparing our kids for is not the same world that I grew up in, where we never locked our door. My whole life until I I went off to college, I didn't have a key to our house because you didn't need a key to our house to get in. It's a different world nowadays. If you dad, this case, we're talking about a dad, but if you're a mom or a dad and you don't know where you're going, your lack of focus in your life will influence where your kids show up. So you need to have the right type of priorities. 
A while back, I read this slogan. I put it on the screen. When the pilot doesn't know which port he is heading for, no wind is the right wind. If you read the New Testament, read the Old Testament, you'll see that many times they get on ships. And back then, they didn't have motors. They had to wait on the wind. And they would literally wait for a wind that was going the correct direction so that they could go to the next port. But if you don't know where that port is, no wind is the right wind. Right? Make sense? The Bible's telling us that we need to make plans. We need to um, uh, have a guide that would help us get to our destination. When New Life was smaller, we quit doing this several years ago, but when we were smaller, we used to have a lake days every, at least once a month, every summer. And it was the coolest thing because wherever our building was, we've been in, in several different locations. On that Sunday, you would show up in your swimsuits. I'd wear my swimsuit, I'd have my hat. We would have boats and jet skis out on the, on the parking lot. And as soon as we said amen, everybody's heading to Lake Palestine. Back then, we had some folks that actually drove from Berryville. They were part of our church, and they had access to um, uh, a boat ramp in Berryville. Only the people who lived there could have it. And so we would go up, and we have a great time. Every time, every single time we went to the lake, somebody would get on a jet ski, start having fun, and they would get lost. Now, Lake Palestine is not that big a lake, and you're thinking, how can you get lost? It's actually pretty easy. You get on this toy which is pretty fast, and it's fun. You start having a good time, and and you get far away from where we are, and all of a sudden you turn around. Every boathouse from a distance looks the same. And we would have to go find someone every time. We'd have to get on jet skis and go flying around there. Jason Stevens and I did that a couple of times, trying to chase people down. Now, the interesting thing is, where we were in Berryville, I don't know if y'all have been out there, there's a lighthouse There's a little island out there. There's a lighthouse. And where our boat ramp was, right next to it, I'm talking a massive grassy knoll, a green grassy knoll. It is so big that this building, which is um, 200 feet long, this building could fit on that grassy knoll. And you can see the lighthouse and you can see the grassy knoll almost from the entire lake. They are so prominent that if you're up there, you know, the longest bridge my kids used to talk about, is this the long bridge, the longest bridge, you know, all of that when we would go to Tyler's because there's three bridges and they would try to hold their breath. Well, the longest bridge is right there from uh, Coffee City to Dogwood City. And I checked this out one time. If you were at that bridge and you looked down towards the dam, you can see the lighthouse and you can see the grassy knoll. And if you point your little water (laughs) towards the lighthouse or the grassy knoll and you guess what happens? You eventually get to the lighthouse or the grassy knoll. When you're there, you're right next to the boat ramp and you can find the group. And here's the other thing that I've found out. If you have passengers, they end up in the same place you are. Translate that to parenting. You're not focused on God if you're not moving towards God. You're definitely not influencing your family to move towards God. You put God as your ultimate priority and start going there. And the Bible promises, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. I don't know what old is. I can't tell you that. But I do believe that Scripture is true. And so you have to be, especially dads. The problem with most churches in America, dads aren't leading. Well, we are leading. We're just not leading towards God. We're leading towards everything else except God. Now, your life is going to be shaped by one of two things. Either it's going to be shaped by your priorities or it's going to be shaped by your pressures. This is on your listening guide. If you don't decide what's really important in life, other people will do it for you. Have you noticed that? Other people will try to press you into their mold. They have lots of ideas for your life, lots of plans, lots of ways for you to spend your time. Whether you're gifted at these things or not, 
whether you want to do those things or not, whether it's God, God's will for your life or not, they have all kinds of plans for your life. You need to determine what the plans are for your life because the Bible gives us a lot of instruction. We're going to look at a lot of Proverbs today. The Bible gives us a lot of instruction about how to do life. Look at this first one, Proverbs seventeen twenty four. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. I was watching a cat video last night, and I just got tickled because these cats would be jumping. They'd get scared. Have you ever seen a cat when it's scared and it jumps? It tries to go everywhere at once. You know, that's an unfocused life. And the Bible says that's foolish to try to go many directions at one time. Proverbs uh, 12, 11. <laughs> now, just, if you're on you version, you're going to see the first half of the verse talks about farming and stuff like that. The second half of the verse, what I want you to see says, it is stupid to waste time on useless projects. Fellas, you ought to tuck that away next time your wife gives you a little honeydew list. Maybe not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The ladies were picking up rocks. Stone him. The solution to not being foolish, if you want to be wise, here here it is. Proverbs 69. We should make our plans counting on God to direct us. God is a planner. Read in, in the first book uh, read, uh, of the Bible, Genesis. In the first chapter, God plans. So you make plans and ask God to guide you. Now, we've already made plans. Haiti is a priority for me. Um, they, they thought it was unusual. We're the only church. They told us on the, the roof one night, uh, first night we were there. We're the only church that has returned six consecutive years and done the same project, trying to see it to completion. We're the only church that's done that. And to me, it's just a no-brainer. I fell in love with the people of Haiti. I fell in love with these children, and I'm just going to keep going back as long as God allows me. They were even joking. They said, well, you know, in 2032, I said, well, I'll be 67 if God leaves me here. I'll be here. And they're going, you won't be here. I said, yes, I will. If God allows me, it's a priority for me. Now, I could die in the next year. That's okay. God's going to take me home. God knows when I'm going to pass from this life. But as long as I have breath, I'm going back to Haiti. Because the thought of those kids not having someone to hold them and, and love them and tell them they're special, I just, I can't bear that. My, the most fun I have on the trip. Now, Mike actually pointed this out in our group meeting that, you know, we love the kids. We love working in Haiti. We love doing the work. But one of the things you're going to learn, if you go on a mission trip, you will bond with people in this church like you can't any other way. We talk about small groups. We bond in small groups. My last year from, from last time in Haiti until this time, I met some great people in my small group. Um, knew Aaron and Tasha, but I know them better because of small group. I didn't even know Danny and, and Kayla last year, but they were in our small group. And so I feel very close to Danny and Kayla. Everybody that was in our small group, I feel close to. But let me tell you, when you go to Haiti and, and you, you sleep on the roof for a week and you get in a bus and you do, you know, you walk up a mountain every day. And when you do that, you see what people are like. And you bond with them. Mike said, when we come back, he said, the thing I'm going to remember the most is how I got to know some incredible people from New Life Community Church. When you serve together, God knits your hearts together. And, and I would say that everybody on this trip loves each other. And you know what Jesus said, how, how the world will know that we're his followers, his disciples, is because of our love for each other. Too many churches, they attend once a week for an hour, never fellowship, so they can't possibly demonstrate love to one another because they don't know each other. Um, this year, you know, I was, uh, we had mattresses, but it was so hot in our room, even though we had air conditioning, <laughs> that's a joke. Um, Rachel said the only reason they had an air conditioner in the women's room was to tell them how hot it was in the room. Theirs was never under 90 degrees in their room. 
I think one day it got to 83 in the guy's room. But up on the, up on the roof, it was awesome. We had the breeze off the ocean, got more sleep in, in Haiti than I ever have before. And, and God has knit my heart together. Last year, George and I, literally, our beds touched. So if George rolled over, I was next to the wall. Our, we had air mattresses. If George rolled over, I would hit the wall. And, and Mike found this out this year. George found it out last year. I'm psycho when I'm sleeping. Janie said you hadn't learned the rule because when Janie needs to wake me up, she'll, she'll get the sheet and she'll shake it a little bit. She'll go, duck. Because, man, they were looking for me one night because Jenny was in the hospital and they were going to give me an update on that. And, and Mike touches me on the shoulder. Man, I'm flying up. I don't know where the heck I am, but I'm hitting something. And uh, Mike's like, whoa, sorry, bud. I said, no, it's not you. It's me. Um, <laughs> all of that to say... What you set as a priority now will determine where you are next year at this time. Right? People every year say, I feel called to go. God's not going to call you unless he's going to provide. And so you need to trust God that if he's called you to go, you need to be planning now. Right, Shandy? Uh-huh. She wasn't going to go. Eight weeks before we were going... Hannah kept giving her a hard time. You go and you go. She goes, no, I can't, I can't. And we kept telling her, the Lord told us you're supposed to go. Well, I don't have any money. The Lord told us you're supposed to go. And, and she said, I'm going to listen sooner. We're going to slap you sooner um, if you don't go next year, if you don't plan now. So, okay, now part of Dan's problem is he's not been focused. And while he's just kind of drifting through life, um, his, his girls have, have found other people to pay attention to them. Now, you need to have priorities, but the second thing is um, you need to laugh at life. This is, and, and, and I don't mean, well, we'll talk more about this, but let me tell you, if you can't laugh at yourself, you got problems. I, I, Rachel wanted so bad for me to tell the story because they love it when I tell stories about myself and you laugh at me. My kids love that. Um, and, and two of my favorite memories now, not at the time, are jail <laughs> And, and the times we just laughed, gut shaking, I got a jello belly, laughter in Haiti, right? I mean, we stood around, the guys connected with the guys from Mississippi telling stories. We had a blast. And um, you need to relax, you need to lighten up. Dan has been taking his life too seriously, and his daughter's found someone else to pay attention. Here's the next clip. I'm sleeping in hey. with you. sentence is supposed to give me comfort. Dad, I love him. 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 No, you don't. What we have is true love. And just because you don't have it doesn't mean you have to punish us. Infatuation is not love. Sexual attraction is not love. You don't understand. I don't understand. No. You don't even understand that you don't understand. What don't I understand, Carrot? Please, help me out. What is it? It's frustrating you can't be with this person. 
that that there's something keeping you apart, that there's something about this person you really connect with. And whenever you're near this person, you don't know what to say, and you say everything that's in your mind and in your heart, and you know that if you could just be together, that this person would help you become the best possible version of yourself. So Marty can stay. We called your aunt. She'll be waiting for you in Boston. Yes, sir. Look, I'm not your parent, but I think you should know love is a dangerous feeling. No, sir. Are you arguing with me? No, I'm. It's just el amor no es un sentimiento, es una habilidad. Love is not a feeling; it's an ability. I told you that. Made it up, Mr. Burns. Come say goodbye. Window. Okay, that's it. She'll see him again soon enough. Sweet. What's sweet? How is that sweet? To be that certain to feel so much love. Love isn't a feeling. No. It's an ability. Well, if that's true, you you have one gifted daughter. You are a murderer of love. Oh, great line. You are a murderer of love. Let me tell you something. I go on a family reunion and some homeboy shows up and is kissing my daughter. I'm going to be more. I'm going back to jail. I'm telling you right now. I won't just be a murderer of love. God intends for life to be enjoyed, not endured. And if you're merely enduring life, it should be this warning sign that something's wrong. When, when you go through counseling, if you can laugh, then you have hope. Folks who are desperate, who are depressed, can't laugh. And so laughter doesn't solve the problem. It gives you a new perspective on the problem, right? So Proverbs 14.30 says this. Um, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. So lighten up and don't take life so seriously. From God's perspective, your problems aren't that big. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, if you knew my problems, you wouldn't be able to lighten up. I'm saying if you lighten up, your problems won't be so big. In this scene, Dan laughs, but the problem is he laughs at his daughter and not with her. There's, there's a fine line there. Uh, sometimes it's, it's hard not to laugh. Um, shared laughter, though, brings hearts together. So we need lots of memories. We need enhanced sense of humor to deal with life. I like that term. Enhanced sense of humor will help you deal with life. Now, Dan missed it, and it only gets worse in this next scene. Um, He's, he's interviewing for a syndicated column job all across the United States. And right before, I couldn't do all of it, but right before his daughter leans down and whispers in his ear, he's in this interview, and she says, not only are you a murderer of love, but you're the worst parent ever. Watch this. What we try to do is what you keep telling your readers to do. 
What's that? Put family first. Mm. Okay, okay, here's the thing. Somebody hasn't been reading his own column. I'm not sure what that means. You're a liar and a hypocrite. Cheating with your brother's girlfriend? Oh, and how long did you know her? Two moving violations and a collision? Was that part of the plan? Worst of all, you blew off Lily. She's been wanting to show you something she made for you. But you never showed up. I really messed up. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did, Mom. What I did to Lily. Don't forget Mitch. Oh, God. Those newspaper people. Admittedly, not a good day for you. Oh, if I just stay focused on being their dad. Oh, please. You know, love is messy. I should know better. I hurt my kids. Go unhurt them. Well, honey, you've made some mistakes. Nanny. <laughs> So many. Falling for Marie wasn't one of them. I love that. Go unhurt them. Don't wallow in your pain. Go go try to make things right. Dan hasn't been following his, his own advice and his life's a mess, and he gets some great advice from his parents. But I wanna I wanna encourage you to go even higher than that. Um, the where you need to be getting your, your life advice is from God. And that's the, the third step in becoming a better person is focus on God. The only way you're going to get, uh, the only way you're going to get done the important things in life is if you ask Jesus Christ for help. Look at this, Proverbs ten twenty seven. This is a great verse from the Living Bible. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Reverence means to take God seriously. See, most of your problems, most of my problems, happen when I take myself too seriously and I don't take God seriously enough. Right? Got that? So I think everything in my life is and I, I miss what God has to say to me. And, and by the way, any, any area where you don't put God first is an area where you don't take God seriously. God promises to bless you if you put him first. 
Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is also from uh, the Living Bible translation. Trust the Lord completely in everything you do. Put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. The principle is put God first in every area of life. This, for example, this, this is the reason we teach tithing in this church. It's to put God in, uh, first in every area of your life. The Bible says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to trust God. God says if you'll give him 10% of your income, he'll make the other 90% go farther than you thought he could. Tithe literally means 10%. If I make $10, I give a dollar to God. If I make $100, I give $10 to God. If I make $1,000, I give $100 to God. That's the principle. He could have said more. He said 10. He could have said 30. Why did he say 10? I don't know. That's just what God said. And so that's what we teach is that God wants you to give 10%. He says, if you'll put me first, if you'll trust me, then I will bless the rest of it. And the real issue in tithing, not just in tithing, but in any area is do I trust God? Do I really believe that God's going to take care of me? When I give God that, when we write that check and we give that 10%, I'm telling God, you're more important to me than the things of the world. It's the same issue with, with your time. You, if, you, if you say you're too busy to spend time with God, whether that's reading your Bible or praying or going to church or going to small group or going to Haiti, whatever it is, if you say you're too busy, then God says you're on your own. But reverence for God adds hours to the day. I don't know how many times Janie has prayed this when I've been really busy. She'll pray over me, God, stretch the hours of the day so Doug can get done what he needs to get done. God answers that prayer every time we pray it. And you might say, well, do you don't have more minutes? No, but God helps me be more productive in the minutes that I do have. And so if you put God first, God's going to bless you. So you got to know what is most important. Really, the, the very first thing, the top priority needs to be God. If you show me your time and you show me what you spend your money on, I'll tell you what your priorities are. And if God's not number one, then you have stress in your life because God's not giving you peace. The tragedy is some people go through life and they miss the most important thing. And some have said, somebody might say, what is the most important thing? The cool thing yesterday when I was preaching at that funeral was I could say this young lady, while her life was not perfect, 32 years old, she had all kinds of health issues. She and I had had numerous talks about she was going to be in heaven. And I told him at the funeral, I said, she's the most prepared person for death that I've ever met in my life because she was on the, the pancreas transplant list for years. She knew she was going to die. And so she spent her whole time trying to prepare for her nine year old son. He was adopted. That was one of the big things that she wanted him to, to wear the last name of her husband. He was adopted. He was going to be taken care of. She talked the first day I met her. She talked about, I'm going to die. I'm ready. I know Jesus. I want to make sure my family is ready for that day. A lot of people miss the most important thing in life. Look what it says in first Timothy six twenty one. Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. You know what it is? They don't know God. You miss knowing God. You miss the purpose of life. There were a lot of lost people here yesterday, and I just pray that God would use the seed that was planted because the reason we're narrow-minded in Christianity is because the founder of Christianity is narrow-minded. And, and Muhammad never claimed to be God. Muhammad said if God doesn't cloak him, he said he has no help. If God doesn't reach down and have mercy on him, he has no hope. Buddha never claimed to be God. Joseph Smith never claimed it. Well, he claimed to be a God, but not the God. That's, that's the, the Mormon the only one that claimed to be God and backed it up by coming out of a tomb is Jesus Christ. So we're narrow-minded because Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. So it boils down to this. Who are you living for? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Who are you living for? You tell me the answer to that question, I'll tell you whether you're stressed out or not. If you're living for yourself, you're stressed. If you're living for your job, you're stressed. 
If you're living for your reputation, you're stressed. If you're living for your retirement, you're stressed. Live for God and you will receive the peace of God. So the bottom line is, who are you living for today? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I want you to think about your priorities. And if somebody were to look at your time and where you spend your money over the last six months, would there be enough evidence in a court of law to convict you of being a Christian? Because people are watching. And we need to point them towards God. So I want you to think about what it is that God wants you to take from this message today. Do you need to set your priorities? Do you need to um, relax and laugh at life? Do you need to focus on God? What is it? Ask God to show you which one of these things, God, is for me to carry out these doors today. God, help us to be hearers and doers of your word, not just hearers of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.